too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all Well, 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 well Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program podcast and video extravaganza known internationally as the world famous smoking and toasting we are so glad to have you guys on board because it's a very special show as we do number 314 it is our annual pipe show and we missed Last year's annual pipe show. We I did. think I think the date it was scheduled. I was sick and we had to cancel the show. Yeah, that week. yeah, you got sick, uh, and we just, just never got just the pipe a few show days rescheduled. before, and then we never uh, got a chance to reschedule it. So we've had pipe shows almost every year, other yeah. than that one year that we missed. And this uh, this time we decided to really do it right. Instead of just me and Ian hanging out and smoking pipes, which we will be doing, we decided to come to the most expert pipe place we know of in our surrounding area, and that's why our show today is originating from. The Briar Shop in Rice Village of Mm -hmm. Houston, Texas. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the oldest tobacconist in the Houston area. Yeah, absolutely. They've been here forever. Been around for years. And I don't know what the numbers are, but we'll have have Bill on a little later. We'll have James showing us stuff, and they'll know all that information when we get that. But I've been coming here since... Uh, to to one location or another of it since the uh, since the nineties. Yeah. Well, this so. is this is going to be a really fun show because we're going to have the opportunity to get pipe tips from guys that really know. Not that I'm saying you don't really know. Oh no no there I'm, there are people that saying, know more than me. That's this, fine. This is, I understand. This, you're you're my own in my circle of friends. You know more about pipes than anybody that I know. But these guys are really. I can sum it all up in two words. Yeah. Pipe's good. Pipe's good. I like it. I like the way you think. So today's uh, pi- Pipe Show uh, 2023, and we're also going to talk about something that I think is is really important. We touched on, in the month of January, <clears throat> the phenomenon known as Dry January. And how this generally works is people in December... I'm pretty sure I failed at that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I was really good up until January 1st, and that was when I kind of fell off the... Dry January wagon. But uh, what happens is that people during the holidays, during Christmas and New Year's, have a tendency you know, generally to drink more perhaps than they do other times because yeah, they're yeah. at parties or they're having eggnog or special wine with Christmas dinner or whatever it might be. So the concept behind Dry January is that they all take a, a month-long break from drinking and kind of like see if that will rehabilitate their system, which there's plenty <laughs> of science that shows that doesn't do it. Like if if you're really going to go all you know all teetotaling and you want to see the change that makes on your body, it takes it takes more it than takes more than month. one month. Yeah, but but in any case, dry January has become a thing. But dry January, despite the fact that neither you or I were very good participants in it, dry January is over, and that's why here today on Smoking and Toasting, the radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza, we are hereby declaring this month. Imperial February. Imper- I was going to say moist February, but I like Imperial Imperial better. February. <laughs> and in keeping with that, we're going to have today a Russian Imperial Stout that I think is going to be mind-blowing. It's from our friends at Ingenious Brewing. Those guys are so crazy. And they're so creative and so crazy. And they have a turtle power Russian Imperial Stout. 
and turtle power it is. And yeah, and I'll, t- I'll tell you how much turtle power there is. It's fourteen percent ABV. Big. Yeah, yeah. That's so big. we're kicking off Imperial February right. That's, <laughs> That's how right. we're doing it. We also uh, have a couple of uh, slightly lighter uh, brews uh, from Belching Beaver Brewery. We'll be trying their damn good decade. It's a Terps IPA. Belching Beaver is from Oceanside, California, and these guys are kind of crazy as well. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're peanut butter stout. If you see their peanut butter stout, it's man, pick it up. It's so good. It'd be good for Imperial February, would it not? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And then finally, and, and before I set up this next beer, Ian, and it'll be the first one we try today, <clears throat> it's a Vienna-style lager called Vamos, and it is the Cruz Blanca So you had, you had to get Imperial it. lager. Well... Let me just say, I wanted to be fair. So I scoured every beer store, every grocery store, every place that sells beer. I have scoured the city, and Houston's a very big city. And there's beers from all over the world that you can buy here. And I could not find one Ian beer. Well. There is a cruise beer, however. The Cruz Blanca. Uh, vamos. You may notice, by the way, that... I'm saying all this before I've tried it, so <laughs> let's hope it's good, right? <laughs> well, we're going to have to fix that. I'm going to have yeah. to start speaking with some breweries around here and see if we can come up with a well, we've Ian Stout. About, we've talked about you know getting together with the brewery and doing a special Or an Ian Porter, but that sounds like I'm working. Yeah, it does. You could have the Porter's cap on <laughs> right. and everything. We've talked about getting a special uh, smoking and toasting beer and mm-hmm. releasing that, so maybe, maybe it will be called the Ian Special or, or, there you or go. something. You, you, we'll do the, yours will be the barley wine. That's Mine will be the IPA that's actually just a barley wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll call it an IPA, but it'll really <laughs> be just a barley wine. So we have all of that to try. Plus, um, Adam, our producer in the sky, uh, he and his wife recently got back from Thailand. And they did not bring me rum from Thailand. But I found rum from Thailand at Specs, And so we're going to try it today. It is the Rum Explorer 5-Year Thailand Rum. That's crazy sounding. Now, it's bottled in France, but apparently the, uh, the ingredients, the sugarcane used in the rum, come from Thailand. So okay. So that's, that's why the... Uh, so it's all sourced <clears throat> from Thailand. Yeah, sourced from nice. Thailand. So we'll be looking forward to that. Plus, I'm uh, going to tell you all about the new non-Cuban Cohiba that's about to come out that will only set you back 100 bucks. That's it's it, It's huh? not a Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about that for you, but... Uh, uh, you know, really, we have to admit, the high point of the show for me today will be listening to these guys talk about pipes yeah, and, and learning absolutely. everything that I can learn. Because I don't know that much about pipes. I, I have a pipe. I enjoy smoking it. Uh, and I've learned a lot from you on these pipe shows. But uh, today I'm excited to learn from some pipe experts. But that'll be my favorite part of the show. What happens, though, is that many viewers and listeners' favorite part of the show winds up being something we do later in the show, a little thing we like to call drinking news. And in Drinking News, we bring you stories that sometimes involve drinking, news stories, but are always best enjoyed when you've been drinking. And today's Drinking News teaser headline, Dude, that car is really sexy. And we'll get to that coming up later on in the show. So, uh, Ian, I have always been a big fan of the Briar Shop. I've shopped here for really as long as I've been having cigars, uh, smoking cigars, which I started smoking cigars really in the 90s. So yeah. uh, I think both of us have, uh, have dated back to them. But these guys have a very impressive cigar humidor. But as far as pipes go, 
I think they've got probably the best selection of pipes, pipes, accessories. More pipes than anybody in the area. Yeah, it's just it's kind of unrivaled. And I think Jong may have done a shot of that. Maybe we'll show that here, just some of their pipes and pipe accessories, just the sheer magnitude of yeah. what they have here. And what I really like about coming here is that I just really enjoy trying new styles of pipe tobacco and they've got so much to choose from here. you know uh one of the cool things too when you come into a tobacconist like this they have a you can buy the canned tobaccos from peterson and mm-hmm. and some uh and mcbarron and some other brands like that um and they have those on the shelf ready to go those are nice especially if you're traveling because it keeps them nice and uh moisturized the way you want it things like right. that but they have jars of blends and a few of them are special house blends and things like that mm-hmm. and you can literally just go open the jar and give it a nose um and if you're hanging out here a lot of times they'll give you a pinch to try in your pipe yeah and you could just try it and see if you like it and move on to another one and smoke you know just a like a quarter bowl of here and there and then when you find it you can buy an ounce or two ounce or you know 75 like, ounces if you really want but kind of like when you go to baskin robbins and they give you that little spoon. a little sample yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool so yeah i mean but you'll know <clears throat> you'll know kind of what you're interested in just by nosing it and then the next level is, is you know, you might try a little pinch of it, and then you can buy, uh, you know, whatever you want at that point. Now, for those of you who are uh, obviously not from the Houston area, and we have tons of uh, viewers and listeners that are not, um, your city or your closest city, if you're uh, a more rural uh, listener or viewer, uh, probably has a shop similar to this that is uh, kind of the specialty pipe place for your area and if you're ever in houston you must come and uh and visit the this, this place is great the uh, atmosphere here is fantastic yeah. it's, it's you were so mentioning funny. uh this uh, i just loaded my pipe up with uh with this which is the sunset rum but you can see the that's the little briar shop baggie that they let you uh uh put it in and but they've got these like you said they're in the, the tubs uh-huh. and you're able to go in take a nice full uh smell of it see if it appeals to you and and they'll even give you a little pinch to put in your pipe if you want to make sure it's uh, yeah it's, it's, want, it's so. so fun yeah, very and, exciting so. and my uh, my go-to uh pipe tobacco is uh one that they have here it's one of their house uh, blends called the accountant and right, that one's to me that one i love the aromatic it's it's so fun and that's my go-to i love a lot of other pipe tobaccos but like in my pipe pouch and my little accessory bag here is accountant right off the bat very cool very cool now uh, I, I have a bit pipe basic question to ask you, and I think maybe you can answer this. If not, we'll ask the guys. Um, when I smoke a cigar, I always try to make sure that it doesn't go out because some cigars have relight penalties, as, as we've talked about. That, yes, yes. That when you light it back up again, it can get a little harsh. So um, we try to... Try to you know smoke it regularly enough, and and you know you uh, tend it, yeah, we tend it tend to it. make sure that it stays burning. Now, that's not necessarily the same with pipe tobacco, is it? Not necessarily. Like it's nice when you have a bowl that that smokes from beginning to end, but it's not necessary. Relighting a pipe is is not as big a deal as like trying to relight a cigar. So I'm, I want to ask you then, because I I may be doing something wrong. I seem to have to relight my pipe all the time. You're in luck, buddy. Yeah? Because in our next segment, we're going to have Mr. James come over here and show us exactly how to do it. Uh, so now I have it, my method. Does it have to do with the fact that I'm maybe not loading the pipe? It, you know, it could be a should? number of things. It could be how, how tight your tobacco is or how loose it is. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, <clears throat> the volume of tobacco. It could be how you light it. I have my own method, and I can walk through my method. I, I'm interested to see what uh, his method is versus mine. Well, Because 
everyone has a little bit different ceremony about it, you know? Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to finding out all kinds of stuff that I don't know about pipes. And I'm also looking forward to the next segment because that's when we start the beer tasting. Yes. So, so with that in mind, uh, let's take a break. And we'll come back and we'll do, a, uh, uh, we'll do a, uh, a beer in the next segment. And we will begin to learn more. I'll begin to learn more. Hopefully everybody else can benefit from this too. Uh, about the proper ways to pack and load and smoke a pipe. So we'll be Let's right back. It. It's smoking and toasting show number three hundred and fourteen. That's it's halfway pipe- to three hundred and thirty-three. <laughs> pipe show twenty twenty-three and announcing Imperial February. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and on today's show specifically about pipes. Always love that sound. <laughs> and I will make sure, however. That even though the can was sacrificed, that it does not go to waste. That's true. That's it will, an important it will fulfill its idea. beer destiny. That's exactly right. So our show is originating today. We're on location at the Briar Shop in Houston, what the, the area of Houston called uh, Rice Village. And we are excited to uh, bring on some guests and pipe experts from the Briar Shop. Ian, will you introduce our guest? So uh, this is James. I came in last week. Uh, James, you, how long have you been working here now? I've been working here since I was... About 14 years old. So, wow. yeah, we've definitely seen you here before, uh, but I officially met you last week. And uh, and then we talked about having the show here. And so here we are. It's pretty awesome. Excellent. Yeah. So Cheers, so gentlemen. Cheers. We'll talk a little beer first, and then I want to get into some pipe basics. Like, when does my pipe keep going out? What am I doing wrong? Because <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm really a, a novice. In fact, I, I had never smoked a pipe before we started this show. Cigars, yes, but pipes I hadn't. So, And I find I really enjoy it. And it's just, especially when it's, you know, like the colder months, I'm really, really, pipes just seem really appropriate for the colder months. So, but we'll get into that in a moment. Let's talk beer first. This is the Cruz Blanca Vamos. It's a Vienna style lager. And Ian, I know that you like Vienna style lagers in general. I just hope that the name of this one doesn't, uh, you know, influence you towards not liking it in some way. <laughs> well. You know, I, so, uh, so mm-hmm. having a beer named after you is pretty pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. Do you do you know these guys? I do not know. What them, happened? No. I mean, no. like, and, you're and just that famous. I, well, that's apparently the truth. That's probably what but I'm not famous enough to get them to spell the name right because they left the E <laughs> off the end Cruz. of the name. It's, yeah, it's just Cruz. No, uh, I think Cruz Blanca is actually the name of the brewery, and they are located in Chicago, Illinois. And the beer is called Vamos. It's a Vienna-style lager. And I'm curious as to uh, actually what you think of it. Uh, so the initial taste on this, it's quite good. It's very it's uh, very malty, malt isn't it? Yes, yes, I like that. Um, it's got a nice kind of like green apple kind of finish to it mm-hmm. that I really, really enjoy. It, it definitely finishes in that way. Some Vienna-style lagers finish with a kind of an aftertaste. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't. It kind of closes down after the green apple and you don't get a whole lot of lingering other than a little bit of a Doritos effect. Like, oh, I'd like some more of that. You know, but, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's not that sort of lingering wheatiness that come with some uh, Vienna lagers. Right. Are you a big yeah. fan of beer, James? I am a big fan of beer. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what do you think of this uh, Vienna lager? The nose is excellent. Mm-hmm. And the head is excellent. Yeah. And the flavors hit you right up front. There's... This beautiful malt sweetness that happens. It is an exceptionally sweet one. Yeah. Uh, I would say, not to be, I don't know what a good comparison might be, but something by uh, Scheinerbach, maybe. Not quite the Christmas sale, but another one of them. Uh, 
what is it coming to my head right now, but reminds me of something that Shiner might make. Uh, very fruit forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And what I like about it is the sweetness makes me feel like it would just go perfect with bratwurst. You have, uh, you have the bratwurst, you have that you know sort of brat flavor, and you yeah, right. But then this has the sweetness; it would just balance out so nicely. In fact, I really, really want a bratwurst right now. <laughs> this is one really where I think if I walked into the brewery and uh, said, "Hey, let me try this," I would probably. I would probably wreck a few of these pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, although it's a little bit sessionable, it's coming in at five point two, so it's not over the top. Well, you know what they say when you got the crew's name, you know you can you can keep going for. You a just want more and more. Yeah, right? you just want more and more. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. It's not always That's about you, crew. Exactly oh, wait. how it works. Oh wait, this beer uh, is. I, I know, but most of the time it is. So <laughs> <laughs> That's when my wife says it's not always about you, that's always what I say. But most of the time, <laughs> most it is. of the time, yeah. Uh, In my so, life. So here at the Briar Shop, you guys have got. Probably the most extensive collection of pipes and pipes accessories uh, that that I've seen in, in in one shop, and I've been to a lot of tobacco shops in different locations across the country. You said you've been working here since you were fourteen. Uh, has has pipes always been such a central part? Because you've got a great cigar humidor too. Yes, sir. And uh, but have pipes always been just like a really sort of important core part of the uh, the briar shop? Absolutely. And um, so being here. Uh, since my youth or adolescence, um, I've had the distinct privilege of learning from some of the best in the tobacco industry here in Houston, Texas. And we are actually Texas' oldest tobacco store. Tobacco in the state. I didn't really, I knew you were in this area. Oh, all of Texas. All of Texas. In all of nice. Texas. That's awesome. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe we're the third oldest in the country as well. Wow. That's a big deal. Because I've that's, been to, that's pretty huge. I've been to a number of the, uh, uh, the, uh, name escapes me off the top of my head, but the one that's right by the park in uh, Boston uh, that is one of the oldest. I uh, haven't and I been there. I don't know why I can't I think wanna, of it. I'll, Say it again? Jay Peretti. Jay Peretti. Thank ah. you very much. Yeah, I've, I've been there. That was, And it's small. It's about The whole place is about the size of your uh, front room, but it's a very cool tobacconist. And uh, it, that's one of those, if you're in Boston, you should visit it. Just, Boston's all about history, so visit the historical cigar shop. But uh, But you guys, I think, have still got a much larger selection even than 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 those guys so um i i i think it's really cool because <clears throat> pipe smoking doesn't get quite the same um i don't know uh publicity it's it's just not as widely seen you know as cigar smoking you see guys smoking cigars in in you know TV shows and movies all the time, you Absolutely. know, like uh, most recently the uh, Tulsa King, which, by the way, if you're not watching, you're totally missing a great show. But, you know, Stallone has a cigar in that. Um, but you don't see pipes as often. And yet, don't pipes go back? I, I guess I guess cigars may be older than pipes or, or, or not. Do you know the answer to that? Um, Were the pipes first or cigars first? I would have to <laughs> say that. Tobacco smoking being a new world product. Right. Uh, pipe smoking is probably first when compared to the rolling of tobacco and smoking. Due to the simple fact that people have been smoking uh, different things and various different materials for centuries. Well, and the Native Americans, obviously, they had the peace pipe and other pipes that they smoked. But they're widely credited, I think, with the first rolled tobacco in uh, what we now know as the United States as well. Yes, sir. Um, and the original pipe smokers, 
uh, you might say would be the fire keepers. When traveling from one destination to another, you'd have someone smoking either some type of herb, grass, even dung, whatever they could take to keep an ember going so they could start a fire. And as you can imagine, if you're uh, nomadic like the Comanche, uh, who's the greatest war tribe in all of Texas, um, they can start a fire with very little uh, effort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and pipe smoking also has been, and cigar smoking is this to a certain degree, but I think pipe smoking maybe even more, a more communal thing. Uh, you know, there's the passing of the pipe. Right. Uh, and And the whole getting together around the fire smoking, you know, uh, with cigars, people aren't passing their cigars from one to another. With pipes, people are more likely to share, you know? I think that's, the, you know, going back in history, I guess. Right, I don't right. really know what I'm talking about here. I'm just, I'm just kind well, of so conjecture based on what we've learned. You if know? you consider, you know, uh, before industry, when pipes uh, all had to be hand-carved from whatever you had around you. Right. Like, I'm not even talking about, like, our standardized. We use briar for uh, pipes cause, uh, because of its qualities where it doesn't burn up. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Know? It, Just it, because can, you have it, it can hold up when you're smoking. It can hold up to that stuff. But, um, right. Indeed. You know, you had to have someone who could who could uh, figure out how to carve a pipe and make it smoke. And so that was like a community thing where you shared that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm not sure how hard it was to come by the tobacco and stuff that you put in it. But I'm, I'm assuming that carrying a lot of that stuff with you, if you were nomadic at all, like, you know, that tends to weigh you down if sure. you're carrying a lot yeah. of it. So it was probably more of a we use a little bit of a time and during ceremonies kind of thing would be my guess. When I first met Ian, we bonded over uh, cigars and, and uh, craft beer and, and whiskey. It wasn't until we started doing the show that I realized what uh, an avid pipe smoker he was. And he's got a pretty large collection of his own pipes, many of which he's got spread out here in the front. But the one he's holding now is my absolute favorite, and he knows why. And so this is a funny one. This is a Missouri Meerschaum uh, is the company. Uh, and I think that's just a play on words because Meerschaum is – a very specialized uh, type of stone that you use to, to carve pipes out of, and those pipes look like this. Oh, right, sure. We'll talk about this pipe in a bit. But uh, So they call these Missouri Meerschaums, and they're made out of corn cob, actual real-deal corn cob. And uh, there was a company online years ago that would make what they called a forever stem, so it's an actual real-deal stem. That's great. Put on here, and this thing, I got the, the church warden stem. That's what you call the extra long one. Um, which is particularly good when you're doing things like this. Now, for those, it's a lecture pipe. Yes, for, yeah, it's a lecture For those pipe. of you who aren't actually watching the show and are just listening. There's an amazing amount of gravitas to that. Yes, uh, when, yeah. when, you, when you stop and you point the pipe like you're about to say something and you bring it back slowly to your mouth and take another puff. It makes because you... Because you decided not to. It looks like you're actually talking about something but not. It makes you look scholarly. However, uh, it's really fun to smoke, and uh, this pipe is uh, overly pretentious for a Missouri Meerschaum, and I think it's hilarious, it's, and it's one of my better smoking pipes. I've got tons of pipes, and this thing smokes great. I think the total cost on this was, with the stem and everything, $50, something like that. Now, you can buy the Missouri Meerschaum. What do you guys sell them here for? Uh, $15? Roughly between eleven and thirteen fifty, I think right now is our cap. But yeah, and certainly and, others that are bigger and larger. And larger the crazy size. thing is, uh, Missouri Meerschaum pipes smoke better than so many pipes in the sub hundred dollar category. Yeah, you know. Um, now I'm, I'm not going to pretend that there isn't ones like that because I'm sure you guys have 
uh, some selection of pipes that are probably in that uh, over 50 to between 50 and 100 neighborhood that are uh, absolutely fantastic. But but if you're going to spend the least amount and get a great smoking pipe, Missouri, Missouri Meerschaum, I think, is killer. The way to go, yeah. So uh, are you more of a pipe smoker or more of a cigar smoker? When, when you're you know ready to you know relax at the end of the day, what do you reach for? Um, I'm somewhat 50-50. Yeah. I may be 60% pipe and 40% cigar. Uh, really depends on the mood that I'm in and the location because as you can come to find, pipe smoking is a bit more cumbersome and mm-hmm. it takes a bit more effort to smoke a pipe than it would, say, a cigar is or it, a cigarette even. Is it, though, once you've got the pipe loaded, got it lit, you're sitting back in your favorite smoking chair or, or you're on your patio or wherever you go to, to smoke – is it a more relaxing uh, experience with a pipe? I, I tend to think maybe it is. I would have to say so. Yeah. I, and I'm not sure why, because cigar smoking can be very relaxing as yeah, well. Yeah, well, cigar smoking, you can you can smoke a cigar and do stuff with your hands. I think with a pipe, like his, his word cumbersome is, is accurate, but I think it, it lends a negative uh, connotation to the fact that, like, I, I'm so used to just holding my pipe like this and then keeping a pipe tool in my hand. And and even as much as, you know, using my lighter with it and everything. Because every once in a while I'll tamp it or knock off the ash or things like that. I'm just so used to having it like that. It's kind of natural for me. But it also keeps your hands busy, you know. So if you don't have anything to do with your hands, you've got, <laughs> you know, these accessories. And right. that's kind of fun, too. And I will say, too, I, I really enjoyed pipes more once I got this little stand. And Ian's got a number of different stands. But if you can set it down... And, you know, if you need both hands to do something without worrying about it dumping over and, and, and dumping the tobacco out. or whatever. Right. And you can get ashtrays that'll do that. And there's little pipe stands and things like that. That's uh, it's very helpful. But yeah. again, the nice thing, too, is if you set a pipe down and you come back to it 15 minutes later, you relight it. It's fine. OK, so let's talk about that. I seem to have trouble keeping my pipe lit in, in like mine's out now and I haven't been messing with it for a little while. But sometimes even after I light it, smoke it, seem to have a good amount of smoke going, and I set it down for just a minute, it's, it seems like I'm not able to keep it lit. What am I doing wrong? Am I loading the pipe wrong? Am I uh, uh, lighting it wrong? What's, what's the best way to... I have an idea. To, okay. Okay, well, let's, let's answer that question a little <clears throat> after, but let's have James load a pipe the proper way and walk us through it. I'd be glad to. That will be show awesome. show us how to do it. I'll tell you what. I'll hold your mic. It's kind of like type 101 down. here, you know? Yeah. And I'll hold your mic so you can talk us through it. That's beautiful. a beautiful pipe, by the way. Yes, it Thank is gorgeous. Think. This is a pipe made by a local Houston, Texas carver named Mark Dominguez of Lone Star Briarworks, and he does some phenomenal work, uh, great stem work. So that's a one-of-a-kind then, isn't it? It is. This is a ha- totally handmade right here in Houston, Texas. Awesome. And I think we're going to smoke... What do you think? Presbyterian or Seattle Pipe Clubs? Give me liberty. What's a plug? <laughs> sure, go for it. I think we'll so a plug is literally, you've heard of a plug of tobacco. It's sure. It's basically just a brick okay. of tobacco, and he's so tearing there, pieces off of it's it. It's a brick when it, when you open up the container. It right. Is. Yeah. And he's tearing like pieces, a round brick. Of, pieces of it off, and he's doing what they call rubbing it out to make it... Uh, uh, smoke. <laughs> I got the giggle over there. I, I was going to say, I, uh, rubbing out the tobacco I didn't, is I didn't realize there were multiple uses. He's not uses rubbing for that one term. out. He's <laughs> rubbing out. Okay, got it. I, I didn't realize there were multiple uses for the term, but okay, cool. 
Uh, so basically, he's loosening it up mm-hmm. because you want the tobacco uh, loose when it goes into yeah. Because when uh, it comes into the bowl. when it comes in a plug, it's very compressed. It right. is. It's compressed uh, tobacco that was originally loose at one point, and it's been uh, compressed over some time, months, uh, potentially even years, I suppose. So what's cool about that is that 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 tin of of tobacco is going to last you longer than the size that it looks because it's been compressed. In other words, you're going to uncompress it when you smoke it and only take what might seem a fairly small amount out of the plug uh, and expand it to what looks like a lot more. Compressing it it also gives you the added benefit of it holds moisture better. It does. Right, right. And so when storing tobacco, the (laughs) ideal suggestion is to uh, store moist and smoke dry. What smoking dry does is it uh, has a better chance of keeping your tobacco lit longer and also reducing what many beginning pipe smokers find as tongue bite, which is the burning of the tongue, burning of your tongue bite, uh, the smoking. And cigars aren't as often a culprit of this because typically by the time you get a cigar so hot and down so low, most guys just set them out, uh, set them down and let them go out. And so what I'm doing here is I'm just going to let this tobacco dry out for a second, and I think we may be about good. A general rule of thumb is that if you take a pinch of tobacco and it still sticks to your fingers, it's far too moist. You'll give it some more time to dry out. But this... And so I'm discovering I may have already learned something that I'm not doing correctly because I may be loading my pipe when the tobacco is still a little moist, which is not going to allow it to burn as easy. More than likely. Yes, sir. Okay, good to know. And so a lot of suggestions, a lot of guys say that, I think I may be able to handle this. Um, There's a whole lot of YouTube videos online. They say pack like a baby, lady, then a man. I totally disregard that. Um, (laughs) I don't know what that means, but okay. First, uh, pack gently, then gingerly, and then firmly, I suppose. And... um, so you took. I just want to make sure I have a sense of what you're doing. You took quite a good clump of tobacco all at once. I did. Kind of loaded it in, and now you're tamping it down a little bit. Took a whole pinch, and I'm just going to stuff it in here with my finger for a moment. And, and you're not really tamping it down hard yet, right? Correct. No, sir. And there's really no firm tamping involved, mm-hmm. uh, I would say. Okay. One minute here. Thank you, sir. And so when we get our bowl full, as... You can smoke half bowls, small bowls, uh, but the purpose of the pipe is to get as much tobacco in there as possible, I would say. And so we're going to to take our tamper. Uh, This happens to be a check three-in-one tool. and Those are classic. They are very classic. And pretty inexpensive. You can also get you a 10-penny nail, even, uh, (laughs) is what a lot of guys will uh, come to find. I've had a... I've used a 30 out 6 casing. (laughs) um, Only in Texas, folks. Only in Texas. (laughs) I've used all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh, and a nail even. Yeah. Um, this is an actual pipe nail is what they call it. And so when going to tamp initially and all throughout smoking your pipe, you're going to want to go around the outside edge of the bowl making a dome shape with the tobacco. That ensures that once you light the, your bowl, it is going to burn evenly throughout and smoothly throughout your entire uh, smoke. And the way I would describe it, uh, to those of us here that enjoy tobacco and cigars and out and whiskey and uh, all good things that life has to offer, like a chainsaw cutting through a log, just let the saw do the work, let the tamper do the work. Um, you don't need to put a whole bunch of pressure 
there isn't a whole bunch of firmness or even Down big smoke, course. like Gandalf smoke, that, uh, it, that you're going to want to occur uh, when smoking your pipe. So I, I think now I may know the second thing that I'm doing wrong, because in addition to maybe loading my pipe while the tobacco is still too moist, I may be tamping it down too hard. Both of those things would, uh, would impair the, the burn, correct? Would make it, make, it burn, make it more likely to go out in between. If I've tamped it down too hard and the Absolutely. tobacco's too wet. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> three things you need for combustion, heat, pressure, and air. And if you don't tamp it down too hard, it allows more air to flow through it. Absolutely. So the burn is more uh, consistent, right? And I do find that, uh, especially when... Science. When tamping <laughs> uh, with very dry tobacco and very, uh, very loosely that you can get a lot more nuance and a lot more flavor from the bowl and from the tobacco that you're smoking. This is uh, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death from the Seattle... I'm not sure if that's... Maybe just Give Me Liberty. From the Seattle Pipe Club. It's a wonderful, rich Virginia. Has a lot of complexity and a lot of character. And uh, we're going to go ahead and strike a match and go to work. Do you prefer... Do you prefer lighting with a match versus uh, using a lighter? I do. I... Um, I gotta say, I think it's uh, more charismatic, and especially when you're sitting inside, smoking inside, if your wife or uh, whoever you have at home will let you do that, it uh, lends itself to a much better smoking experience. You wouldn't believe how many people I've had to teach how to light matches since working here. (laughs) They used to be a given, right? It did used to be, and so I guess I'll explain this, is the key is when striking your match, you're going to want to uh, tilt it down for one. Heat rises, flame burns up, and uh, maybe give it a twist if you're uh, going to chase the flame around the uh, cedar match there. So gently lighten it. It looks like he's moving it around the bowl just a little bit and drawing gently while he's... uh while he's uh, lighting it. It's that, fascinating. Yeah, it is a beautiful light, uh, beautiful pipe, by so, the way. So for those of you who are uh, doing the audio version of the show, um, what he did was he, he had his pipe you know, angled downward, used the uh, match kind of in a slow uh, circle around the, around the top of the bowl of the pipe. And uh, made sure, I guess, that you're getting a more even light that way, correct? Yes, sir. Um, much like lighting the foot of a cigar with a match, you're going to want to pull the flame down into the bowl and uh, go around the bowl to ensure that your pipe is evenly lit. Typically, and- they say this is a three-stage lighting process. Uh, hopefully, I can get it in one. Maybe I didn't let my tobacco dry out enough. And uh, uh, obviously, you're drawing through the pipe while you're doing the lighting to get the airflow uh, to ignite more of the tobacco, correct? Indeed. And so... There's, there's no shame in using extra matches, by the way. Yeah. Not at all. If you get it lit the way you want, should that bowl continue to smoke the whole time, or how often would you be likely to have to relight it? That is a very good question. Um, maybe one in 20 bowls will I smoke a pipe, and it will stay lit from the first light. All the way down. All the way down, yeah. Interesting. Uh, It does not happen very often to me, uh, even when smoking inside or uh, depending on where I'm at. But um, pipe tobacco does 
tend to go out more so than a cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because you are moving your hands more. I'm a clencher personally, mm-hmm. and so I can kind of hold it in my teeth. Take strong jaws, depending <laughs> on the pipe. And right, some pipes more so than others, I indeed. guess. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So this is all fascinating. I've already learned some things. In fact. Just while you were lighting your pipe, I took my little tool here and kind of dug mine around, loosened the tobacco up a little, and I'm having much better results now with the burn just from doing that and not having it packed so tightly. Plus, I think the tobacco's probably dried a little bit from when I first uh, lit it. So uh, so this has been really helpful for me. Uh, we want to come back and talk in a moment about uh, the uh, different types and styles of pipe tobacco, and we have a lot more tips I'd like to get to for people who are, you know, maybe just getting started in the pipe thing. Uh, but we do need to take a break, and we will be back in just a moment. It's Smoking and Toastin' on location at the Briar Shop in Houston, Texas, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toastin' on location at the Briar Shop in Houston, Texas, in the Rice Village area. And I was going to say... I'm thrilled that my pipe stayed lit during the break, but I think I w- took a little bit too long, and, uh, and so I now do have to light it again. So, but, uh, so just just a quick addendum. Um, uh, so he likes traditionally lighting with the match is a thing, and it's probably the least flavor additive way to light um, a pipe. Uh, if you're a cigar smoker and you decide to try pipes, do not use your cigar lighter. Okay, Absolutely you need a not. soft flame, even if it's a bic or whatever. I use um, I use a Zippo. Um, they have the low odor fuel, uh, fuel, and it has a hole on the side, so when you can lay it on top of the pipe and yeah, draw the even has a little pipe on it. So yes, yes. And even if you have an old zipper, zippo zipper, if you have an old zippo and you want to convert it to a pipe lighter, you can buy the inserts right over here in the case that will convert it straight to a, a pipe lighter. You just take out your old insert and put it in the drawer, um, and. Uh, and that's really that's really nice. Zippo makes a bunch of great stuff. They make a, uh, an insert uh, that that can turn it into a cigar lighter too with the torch flames. They do. They make a so butane really torch nice. insert yeah. as well. Like, I'm gonna let you talk while I open beer. All right. Well, let's, let's talk pipes a little bit. You, uh, the, obviously, Ian's got a few of his out. Are these all yours? Oh, ah. thank you. I didn't pick up the mic. Um, let's talk pipes for a minute. Are all of these yours, Ian, except for the Dunhill? No. Or? Okay. So, um, so this one is not mine. This is a. Uh, this one yours? That one's mine. This is a um, Moretti. Fascinating pipe. That is pipe. beautiful, talk, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that one. What makes it different? And is it is the difference only in how cool it looks and what the appearance is? Or does it smoke differently? Uh, it smokes very well. It is actually a totally different material mm. than any of the rest of these pipes that we have up here. That uh, black pipe that I would say is a freehand, maybe in the shape of a squash tomato, uh, is made out of morta, which is a bog wood uh, that they go tramp around bogs and stuff with a big metal rod and uh, <laughs> watching for alligators. When it makes that. the right thump, they found one. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> and the uh, older, or I suppose the darker the wood, um, the older the material is has been submerged. I want to say that one being jet black, uh, I heard from a friend of mine who's been smoking pipes much longer than I have and has uh, many more pipes than I do, uh, that the jet black ones tend to be about 5,000-year-old bogwood and morta. And much like um, clay or meerschaum, they do not ghost. And what ghosting in your pipe is holding over residual flavors from the various categories of tobacco, your three main categories. 
The uh, same thing your uh, plastic food keepers do when you put something very tomato based in it or right. vinegar based in it. They'll hold on to a little of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, of that. Yeah, but that happens. It can be a bad thing in a pipe. And you were saying the three types of pipe tobacco. Three main categories is going to be your Virginias, your aromatics, which is going to be your sweeter vanillas, cherries, smells like something your grandpa used to smoke. It's a cliche, but it's true. <laughs> um, and finally, your Englishes, which uh, tend to be more of the Oriental and Latakia blends. Uh, they tend to smell initially on the nose, much smokier, uh, like wood smoke and black pepper and burnt ribbons. And um, it's a the English is a totally different smoking experience from any of the uh, Virginias or aromatics, I would say. And uh, to each their own. They're all wonderful tobaccos in their own right and wonderful categories. And uh, if you get to smoke long enough, feel free to t- tinker with them yourself and come up with something that you like. Yeah, so my brother, uh, he'll buy tubs uh, sometimes of just the uh, the same ones you can buy at the store, like the Carter Hall or Prince Albert. But he'll add a little pinch of Perique or a little bit of this or that and just close the tub and let it. Let it kind of blend in, and and then and which, then he'll smoke it. Adds a little flavor to it, which is another really cool thing about pipe smoking because you don't often get the chance to blend your own cigar. Much as I would love to be able to do that, you know, like right. you know, it's not like I can just go, okay, I'm going to blend me up a cigar now and put it in the humidor for a while and and see how it smokes in a year. Uh, but with pipe tobacco, you can do that. You can take different blends, combine them. Uh, try to come up with your own, you know, Absolutely. exclusive and blend. You can buy, and it's kind of cool. You can buy uh, just the uh, uh, tobaccos themselves for blending if you want, mm-hmm. or you can take a blend that you already have and another blend that you are. I've done that before, where I've had accountant and blue note, and I had a little bit of each, so I just put them in a baggie and mix them up. You know, those kind of things. You come up with some great flavors that way. James, of the three styles that you mentioned. Um, do you have an absolute favorite, or is it more just what you're in the mood for at that time and you like them all about equally? Uh, I certainly do have an absolute favorite, and I may uh, catch some flack for this. Uh, most guys, <laughs> and myself included, have wound up very happy with the Virginias. Like some fly fishermen guys are just so happy catching redfish on a fly down the third coast here. Uh, I'm, if I never smoke anything but rich and beautiful, bright yellow, red Virginias and some Perique mixed in there as well, whatever I'm in the mood for, I'm happy. Uh, the aromatics, I would say, are my second. Uh, I don't smoke near as many of those as I do the Virginias, uh, just because despite the great room note and despite that uh, it's what everyone kind of thinks about when they hear pipe smoking, um, I was raised on Virginians from my mentor, Ross, and uh, that's kind of what I stuck with. Finally, the Englishes are my least favorite. I have never really had a good experience smoking Oh, okay. So, well, but to we, to everybody's different, though. Everyone is certainly Some different. Some people may like that the best. So. Uh, absolutely. And it really is all uh, what you find uh, that you're comfortable with, as the uh, Whiskey Tribe says over in Dripping Springs, the way you like to drink whiskey is the uh, way you should drink it. The way you uh, want to smoke your pipe tobacco is the way you should smoke it. Or as Ian likes to say, whiskey good. Pipe good. <laughs> pipe good. Uh, and beer good as well. Ian has poured us some of this damn, damn good decade. Is that what Damn it? good decade. Uh, so it looks like they're talking about the 80s. because of the IPA. Because of the vibe of that uh, illustration yeah, it's there. Got a- it's got a, a, a looks a little reminds me of the old kind of a faceted art yeah. uh, 
beaver on there. So this is a very, very. So it says India Pale Ale with natural flavors. Um, let's see if they have anything fun on here. Let's see our our new out of this world IPA brewed with El Dorado, Simcoe, and Mosaic hops was crafted to take flavor to heights with uh, no beaver has ever been before. We wanted to celebrate our ten year anniversary by not looking into our past, but by innovating for the future. Damn so, good decade. Terps IPA uses aromatic floral notes to push the flavor. Out of the stratosphere. Cheers. So uh, Simcoe is a very uh, unruly hop. It is, uh, you never can quite pin it down. You know, there, there's certain hops, Citra, Mosaic, you always kind of know what yeah, flavor you know what you're gonna going to kind of get out of that. To the beer. Simcoe is, is a real wild card, at least for me. Maybe I just haven't been able to pin it down yet. But so Simcoe to, to me always adds dank to the to the mixture. Yes, there always is a little like bit of a dank. dankness to it. This has a meter on it. Um, it looks like out of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Out of like twelve, it looks like uh, it's got a five out of twelve on dank, a two out of twelve on bitter, and a uh, ten out of twelve on tropical on their little. Well, it definitely meter is, and, and that makes sense. It definitely is more tropical and less bitter. But the Simcoe is definitely in there. It's got a little bit of it's that. It's got some of that dank. dank to it. Are, are you an IPA, IPA guy? Do you like IPAs? Uh, not many, but I come to find that the more of them I try, uh, the more of them I do enjoy. Um, this is certainly one of them. I would recommend this. So here on the show, I'm the guy that has a tendency to like most IPAs. Ian is less of an IPA guy, but if they get the balance right, he's he's yeah. he's in. So tell me, uh, Ian, uh, your take on this. This one. is I like this one. It's interesting. It's crispy up front, which is a little backwards. Uh, it's crispy mm -hmm. up front, and then it's dank in the middle, and then it finishes with a tropical sweetness and a little right. kiss of bitter. The tropic is all on the end of it, yeah. uh, and and the juiciness is all on the end of it. But but it doesn't leave you like like you got a pine cone stuck in your teeth or anything. I like appreciate that. Belching Beaver though. They are not only very experimental, but they're uh, they're very consistent. Like I I don't know if I've had any of their beers I haven't thought were really pretty terrific. Uh, I'm trying to think. Have we uh, have we had one we were less than excited about? I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I think uh, Belching Beaver uh, is pretty solid. I'll try pretty much anything from that brand. They're great yeah, like that. Absolutely. So. so, the next beer that we try a little bit later in the show is another one that I will try anything they make, and that's Ingenious Brewing. Yeah, Ingenious located is out of Numble, uh, Texas, a little bit north of us here. These guys are just—they're out of their minds. They're—they're they're just they'll try anything, and yet they seem to. Uh, let's put it this way. If they've tried anything and it didn't come out right, they've never put it in a can or a bottle and made it available <laughs> to the public that I've been able to try. Right. But uh, but they're so I mean they're very IPA driven as a brewery, but today we're going to be trying their uh, Imperial Stout because after all, it is Imperial February. We're at the Briar Shop on location for Smoking and Toasting, show number 314 and we will be right back for Ian to tell us about that bite. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and today especially about pipes. So I wanna, love all those When things. we want to talk pipes and smoking pipes and pipe tobacco, we come to the right place, at least for uh, our area, and that is the oldest tobacconist in the state of Texas, which is the Briar Shop, Rice Village of Houston. And we are here with Bill from uh, the Briar Shop, who's finishing up a cigar. What are you smoking there? Uh, this is a Crux, actually. Oh, Crux, Crux. I haven't mm -hmm. had one of Crux those in a long great. time. Those are, they're, they're very good cigars. Very good cigars. I'm always interested when I go into a uh, tobacco shop and someone that works there is smoking a cigar. Like, 
okay, you got a whole humidor in there. What did you What did you choose? What were you in the mood for? You know, so that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, but I'm kind of like that. I used to. I used to be like that with music, right? Back when everybody had like cassette tapes and CDs in their car, if I'd walk by a car and they had their, their tape case open or whatever, I'd probably look like I was trying to steal the car, but really I was just leaning right. in to go, oh, what are they listening to? Oh, very interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I'm kind of like that with, with uh, tobacco and with pipes, but I know so much less about pipes and pipe tobacco, and it was interesting hearing James, to me, just describe the general characteristics of each of the three types of tobacco and uh it it just has me so curious about exploring more of the different tobaccos in that and so that's why it's i'm like a kid in a candy store in here so he touched on something that we didn't talk about was the composition of a pipe right what it's made of we have a few pipes here that are made out of some very different things um uh as with his pipe i have uh he mentioned this this is meerschaum this is that is just like the coolest looking pipe so this ever. pipe we're going to take it on its maiden smoke for uh now uh, what do you know about meerschaum in general so uh meerschaum is the german term for fossilized seafoam and uh it's actually a mineral called magnesium magnesium silicate um and that that mineral is a Broken down, uh, broken down coral reef that's died, that's fallen apart, that's been compressed under thousands and thousands of pounds of earth until it's until it's made into a slurry, and uh, it's mined about nine hundred thousand feet deep in and around Turkey, some places in Africa, and. Uh, they mine it um, and carve it. It's, it's pretty so it amazing. It begins as a coral reef. That is so cool. So And, and it looks like uh, ivory, for lack of a, a, a better uh, comparison. The carving done on these, I don't know if you can get a focus on that or if I need to come closer. This is Bacchus. This is a pipe that my aunt picked up in Turkey in the 70s when she was there in the military. It's been floating around the family since then. My brother sent it to me recently. He already has a Meerschaum pipe that uh, that uh, my dad gave him. Right. So he sent me this, and I figured today having our pipe show would be a good day to smoke it for the first time. So this, is your, so. this is your virgin voyage. This has the, never uh, been smoked. <laughs> so... I'm curious as to the carving, like the bowl itself is smooth around the top edge, mm -hmm. but then you've got all this very intricate and ornate carving. Is that all one piece? It is yeah. all one piece. And uh, what most people don't understand is that only about 15% of what you mine you can use in carving. Mm. And, why so, and why is that? And why is that? Because it's very fracturous. It has a lot of... It has a lot of, a lot of uh, faults, in the faults in it, and, and it'll cleave fairly easily. But the thing about meerschaum is, it smokes great from the from the very first smoke. Right. Briar pipes uh, tend to need tend be to be broken in a little bit. Breaking period, yeah. In. Kind of like with a uh, uh, like a cast iron skillet. Mm -hmm. Always cooks better once you've broken right. it in a little bit and cooked right. with it a few times. So. Right. Uh, that's, uh, that's really interesting. How, what percentage of the pipes that you sell are Meerschaums? 
Would you say about ten percent? Really? It's, it's okay. The, it's the it's an easy chair pipe because it, mm-hmm. it does have that uh, propensity to fracture. Um, you can't beat it up like a lot of other a lot of other briar pipes. Right. Um, if you drop it, you might crack some of the ornate uh, design off of it, or uh, it, it's just or chip it or yes, yeah. I mean, so, just from handling, you can see a couple spots on here where it's got little scrapes and things. So, because it's been around since the seventies, kicking mm-hmm. around, right. you know. Right. It's a little softer. Well, it's a lot softer than briar. Briar's hard. Um, takes special tools to to carve it. The the meerschaum's a lot softer and uh, a lot and, easier to carve. And this do you guys briar. have pipes here that are very ornate like this one? Absolutely. And and what is the price range for something of this? So where the lowest end to maybe the highest end. So uh, probably the from the lowest end, hundred and eighty dollars, to the high end, the nine hundred. Mm, wow. And speaking 300, of three hundred, three fifty is a is a nice sweet spot for. A speaking of beautiful pipe. pipes, I'd like to start a GoFundMe <laughs> for this beautiful piece here. This is uh, Dunhill that you. Uh, loaned us to put on the table and it is gorgeous it is and what is the price tag inside and the price tag inside here is 625 dollars so and it is absolutely amazing an absolute piece of art so what is it that makes that other than the fact that it's beautiful is there something about that pipe that makes it worth you know so much more than uh, some of the pipes that we see on the table or is it one of those things where you know, you're paying for the name and the luxury, and, and it's part of the experience. Kind of like buying a Ferrari instead of buying a, you know, BMW. Well, it's that. Um, of course, Dunhill is, is the top of the line. But they don't, they don't normally, I would say they never sell anything that's, that's got a flaw in it. Yeah. So there's not a sand pit. There's no, there's no fracture in it. It's, it's a flawless pipe. Um, that one uh, is known as a Cavalier, and those were made so that servicemen in the World War II could break them apart and put them in their pocket because a lot of times servicemen would break their pipes trying to hop into the trenches right. and, uh, and snap the stem off or break the shank so much this design by peterson was was kind of the same thing correct because this comes apart so easily and then you don't have to worry about it breaking off so much in your pocket correct well you know pricing is interesting like there's a new cohiba coming out uh, and and not a cuban cohiba we talked about the Cuban Cohibas that are coming out that are so expensive mm. now. And now General Cigar is uh, following with a, uh, a cigar with a Brazilian wrapper and a hydraulically powered box. So your cigars <laughs> rise up to meet you when you open the box, which is kind of cool. Uh, but these cigars are going to be about 100 bucks a piece retail. It's called the Spectre from Cohiba. Now, aside from the sort of cool gimmickry of the box... How good does a cigar have to be to be worth $100? I mean, you are, in some cases, I, I feel like you're paying for the prestige of the fact of being able to say, this is a $100 cigar I'm smoking. So, and and uh, 
while it's probably not necessarily better than a $20 cigar, uh, you're still, again, it's kind of like driving one of the so, really higher end Before uh, we cars. get into trying the cigar, even getting into that realm, when well, they send that to the... Uh, uh, to the stores, they send it with gloves that you have to wear to even handle the packaging. <laughs> right? I mean, have you experienced this? I don't know. So I've, I've had the, uh, the, the predecessor to that. I've had a, we retailed it at 110. That was a mm-hmm. manufacturer's suggested retail price. And I sold two boxes almost immediately. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's like, that's beyond special occasion. That's like. We just made a million dollars. Right. <laughs> How so, was it? You yeah, said you I'm smoked probably, yeah, one, though. How, I did not smoke one. Oh, you did one. not smoke one. Oh, okay. okay. I did not smoke one. Well, this one comes, it, it is a limited edition. It comes in a Brazilian wrapper uh, that General Cigar says was harvested in 2008. So it's definitely a vintage uh, wrapper on it. And uh, then the hydraulic press system, uh, they say, dramatically elevates the, the tube cigars. And all of it amounts to a cigar that's going to retail, they say, for nearly... $130. So that's, you know, in a box of these, you just want to get me a box of cigars for Christmas? These will do just fine. <laughs> just one box is all I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, one box is all I'm asking. <laughs> no, the original Spectre was introduced in 2018. It was $90 at that time, uh, the suggested retail. Uh, and uh, the, then the uh, subsequent releases all rose in price a little bit. Uh, I mean, it, it is it is a great looking cigar. Uh, what I'm looking at in the uh, in the article, but I thought it'd be interesting to bring up in a time when we're talking about a six hundred plus dollar uh, pipe. I mean, is it? Uh, I I know the answer to this, but it's not necessarily that that pipe is several hundred times better than other pipes you can buy here at the store for a reason, even though it is maybe one of the best pipes that you guys have. Right? Would you say yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, there's different price points for pipes as well as most other articles. I mean, let's face it, a, a uh, DuPont is a far superior lighter than a sure. Calibri or, or, or something like that. Right, and that's why they cost more. Um, I've broken Calibris and Zycars. I have a DuPont that never fails to light every single time yeah. I click it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ian, I'd just like to point out, Ian's poured the rum that we're about to taste. And I hope you don't mind tasting some rum with us. Oh, I'm uh, a rum but guy. I'd just like to point out the difference between my pour and Ian's did, and Bill's. Did I short pour you? I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I think I, I, think I got about half what you got there, brother. Let's try not to pour it on Bill. All right, we'll do our best. Thank you very much. Ah, perfect. More? No, that's good. Yeah, you know, I'm over pour you. All right, now there we go. Now no, you I have just to wanted to give you a hard time about that. <laughs> it was because it was I had a beer with my name on it, wasn't it? Right. That's why. Um, so let's talk about this rum a little bit. Uh, I have not tried this particular brand of rum. I've not tried their rums prior to this one. However, uh, they have rums that originate from a number of different places. They have rums from the Caribbean. Uh, I believe they had one from Barbados. And this particular one, the uh, materials, the, they're all bottled in France, but the materials, the sugarcane, uh, originates in Thailand. And I'd never had a Tha- Thailand rum before, so I thought this would be an interesting So kind of the difference try. is the terroir, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and what that sugarcane is going to be like. I mean, you can already tell the difference when, you know, we're talking plantation rums, for example. You can tell a great deal of difference from... It's- the rums that uh, where they originate from, say Costa Rica or right, uh, Barbados, or 
Uh, they had they had one that was uh, it was so good, and and then Jamaican rums and Jamaican rums we've always talked about have more of that sort of rubbery quality, the, the to, rubbery uh, to them. stuff, uh, and the but, funk, yeah. But it can be quite good depending on how it's done. So uh, this one from Thailand uh, didn't really know what to expect. So on the sure. nose, it's so delicate. It's like it's like so delicate and gentle yeah. and a little sweet. And then, how are you feeling about the flavor? Have you tried yours yet? I did try it. What do you I think? I couldn't wait. You were smiling. <laughs> I couldn't wait. Uh, I think the flavor is fantastic. And it's not quite so delicate as the nose uh, suggests. I uh, mean, this is definitely rum, but this is one of the lightest yet still complex rums. It's, I, I think uh, the, it's, it's uh, delicate and complex at the same time is a better way to put it. But it does have a little kick to it on the finish. There's a little vanilla to it. A little, a little cinnamon kick a... on the finish? Yeah. And the vanilla is definitely there. Uh, this one was aged. Does it say on the uh, the bottle how long the aging was? I think it does. So uh, aged five years. So that makes it an Añejo in rum world. Distilled in uh, Patham, Thenai province. I'm probably slaughtering those... Uh, those words, and it's uh, bottled at 42%, so slightly overproof. I'll tell you what. I, this Thailand rum really has been extra matured in American oak casks uh, that have contained a cognac-based spirit for several months in the cellars of Chateau de Brua. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, yeah, it's French, so I just pronounce the first couple letters and forget all the rest of them. You pronounce the first uh, couple of consonants and then just go, <laughs> Ugh. It gives notes of coconut, pepper, and licorice. Um, and that's not that's not a slur on anybody French listening to this. It just means that I don't have any kind of grasp of the language, and um, <laughs> and I'd rather not slaughter it worse than I did. Uh, I I think it's quite good. Uh, I like it. It's very yeah. nice. There's nope. a there's mm-hmm. a lingering rum hug that comes back, like yes. warmth that comes back, and kind of up front hangs it, around. As you, were, you used the word delicate, up front mm-hmm. it feels very delicate, like this is going to be super easy drinking, and then the finish kind of gives you a little mm-hmm. bit of a jolt. Yep. And then, as you were saying, that rum hug sort of comes back and, and you know, visits you uh, a little bit after the finish, which is kind of cool. I think it's very good. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm becoming more and more of a rum guy. The more of it I try, the more of it I sample, rum the, good. More, uh, the more I have to say uh, rum good. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a break. And we're going to come back. We still have more to talk about with Pipes. And perhaps most importantly, uh, our next segment will bring in the, uh, the part of the show that people are just clamoring for, I have no idea why. It will be time for drinking news when we return. It's smoking a toast. <laughs> Welcome back. It's smoking a toast and having a great time at the Briar Shop in Houston, Texas, where we're on location doing our pipe show 2023 and uh, announcing to all the world that it is Imperial February, and we'll be getting to that. Imperial beer coming up here in just a little I bit. I can't so, wait to have that. So, yeah, very exciting. Uh, but it's time now for the segment that people seem to be talking about, and we have no idea why. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News. Now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Well, welcome to Drinking News. This is a segment on the program where we bring you stories that have been reported in the news from somewhere around the globe. Uh, We take special care to 
not necessarily vet all of these, but we don't use uh, sites like the, Un the Onion and places that are obviously parody. These are stories that have been reported in some form of mainstream news somewhere. And as we like to tell you and remind you each week, uh, drinking news stories are not, they may be, but they are not always about drinking. But they have always been best enjoyed, best listened to when you've been drinking. And certainly we have. Heck yeah. In a couple of years we've been doing drinking news, we brought you stories from around the globe of things that people have done when they've had a little too much. Like the woman that took a dump on the police car bumper outside a bar in Seattle. Hey, sometimes you gotta go, right? Yeah, she wasn't saying she wanted to defund the police. She was just saying, well, <laughs> frankly, I have no idea what she was saying. Uh, then there was the Florida man who tried to use a taco as his ID after his car caught fire in the drive-thru at Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, he may have had a little too much. Maybe he identifies as a taco. I mean, I hear that's a thing uh, that's to do That's a nowadays. thing, yes, that's right. Or the inebriated Minnesota man who was arrested for driving drunk from bar to bar in his motorized recliner chair, complete with cup holder, a headlight, and a sticker from the National Hot Rod <laughs> that's Association. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, so that's a great one. Uh, but those things... Even those things are not quite as embarrassing as the story of a British man whose drinking adventure led him to show the world his deep love and serious attraction to some inanimate objects. It's the cautionary tale of 24-year-old Daniel Cooper, a jobless father of three, who has since changed the name on his Facebook page, by the way, to Daniel Hot C. Cooper. Hot C? And the C stands for another word for rooster, one that rhymes with Spock. So, and he uses the word, not the, the, the yeah. Anyway, right, right. Daniel Hutsey Cooper. Cooper's described by his friends as someone who, quote, rarely drinks, end quote. And those are the ones that you have to watch out for, by the way, <laughs> the rarely drinkers. Uh, but apparently he does at least drink sometimes because police wound up arresting him for public intoxication, public indecency, and assaulting a vehicle. Seems Cooper and a group of his friends were out on the town, and after some copious drinking, they found themselves in a kebab shop in Hollywell, North Wales. Uh, now, what would you do if you were in a kebab shop waiting for your order? And you noticed how incredibly smooth and attractive the kebab shop countertop was, almost as if the counter was taunting you, daring you to take the lead. I don't know what you would do, but I can tell you what Cooper did. He dropped his pants and began attempting to have sex with the countertop. There's a man with a vision. That's not, for sure. I'm not sure how that would even work, really. But I'm <laughs> guessing there would either. be you know, some humping and rubbing involved. Not surprisingly, the encounter with the counter. You like what I did there? Encounter the encounter with the counter. With the, counter uh, the encounter with the counter did not prove completely satisfying to Mr. Cooper. So he took his arousal outside. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. <laughs> yes. The, the encounter with the counter. Yes. Did not prove completely satisfying. Yes. I think you know. What, who who could have seen that? Yeah. <laughs> like. So Mr. Cooper took his arousal outside where he turned his affection toward a vehicle in the parking lot. Yes, this British man tried to have sex with a 2020 gray Land Rover Discovery. Strangely, I'm reminded of that line from Eddie Murphy in the classic comedy from Beverly Hills Cop. I'm not going to fall for any banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> you don't fall for no banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> Cooper, who's been described as a responsible family man, because, of course, was given a community order banning him from going outside between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. <laughs> well, <laughs> There goes Sunday fun day, I suppose. Yeah, right. Yeah. And 
Interestingly enough, they didn't say the thing about hump day. Um, <laughs> now, <clears throat> not that I would suggest ever having sex with a car, but if that were going to happen, I sure wouldn't pick a Land Rover. It'd have to be something like, you know, like a Porsche 911 or a souped-up Mustang or a classic Corvette. I'm just saying. Reporting live from Wales, where I'm not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe, my name is Cruz, and that is your... Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. All right. And somehow, it, that, that segment continues to be popular. I don't understand it, but... Hey. It keeps it keeps me up my uh, keeps me up on my ukulele licks, and that, I think that's probably what it is. It's the ukulele theme song. That's what <laughs> that's what people are there for. Well, uh, welcome back to our uh, our wonderful afternoon we are spending here in the uh, Briar Shop, Houston, Texas, oldest tobacconist in the state of Texas. Which I don't think I, I knew it was had been here for a long time. Was the oldest in the area. I don't think I knew until today it was the oldest in Texas. Well, Bill, um, you don't look that old. Yeah, <laughs> not that old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill, we talked about the different kinds of pipes. We talked about this really, really fancy um, uh, pipe that that the Ian Don was showing off. That thing's so uh, beautiful. But for the first time, pipe smoker. Somebody comes in and says, "Hey, mentioned smoking a pipe. Maybe I smoked one of a friend's. I want to kind of get started. Wh- where do you steer them? Do you, you steer them to a specific type of pipe and a specific type of tobacco? Is there a is there a good sort of on ramp? I guess that you guys can help provide." Well, usually the anybody that's looking into starting pipe smoking has a vision in their mind about how I'm going to look, how is this going to come across. And so we, we try and take the customer's input and show them and steer them that direction. Normally... The, pipe smoking is a, uh, is a cheaper form of nicotine transfer notwithstanding the capital investment of the of the first pipe so generally we we've got a, a sweet spot for the beginning pipe smoker around $85 you can get <coughs> cheaper pipes but um, if you enjoy the if you enjoy pipe smoking and you start to be a, a, a frequent pipe smoker, your first really cheap pipes become the red-headed stepchildren. Yeah. So we try and keep pipes that you will always want to smoke, even when you start getting into $150, $200, $300 pipes. You want that first pipe to always be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we try and get people out of the door if if they if they show the propensity to to want to smoke a pipe, pipe, tobacco, cleaners, and a uh, and a tamper for under a hundred dollars. So you're saying basically you want to help them get into a first pipe that won't eventually be discarded when they upgrade right. and buy better ones, but will still be part of their the smoking rotation that they'll still use. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I, I mentioned earlier the uh, Missouri Meerschaums, and that's kind of the other level is those entry-level pipes, but they're oddly good. Now, I keep a few around the house for when people are like, hey, I'd like to try it, and I'm like, here's a pipe for you. Those are inexpensive. Those are kind of the, you'll smoke them for a while and, and a lot of times be done with it when you get something nicer. Plus, uh, 
my Missouri Meerschaum there, uh, notwithstanding, uh, most of the time you just look like you're smoking a corn cob pipe. <laughs> Which has its own cool factor <laughs> yeah. to it. I, I it suppose, can, yeah. but yeah. you know. Well, if I can interject, pipes are generational. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to hand them down generation after generation after generation. I have a, quite as, a few that were my dad's. As long as, uh, as, long as you haven't oversmoked them. Right. So corn cobs, they are made out of corn cob, not as hard, not as dense, not uh, doesn't have the high ferrous point that a briar pipe has, and so uh, briar pipes are are meant to be passed down. Case in point, this is an old K Woody, uh, and I got this from my brother. He found it at an estate sale, and refurbished That's it. And cool. this is a darn fine smoking pipe it's probably from what the 50s the 40s something right now uh 40s 50s or 60s probably and it's it's this kind of nice i smoke it from time to time it's a great smoker and that's the kind of like when you get into that level of briar and pipe that he's talking about there do you see any patterns um that certain types of people certain types of smokers gravitate towards a particular type or style of pipe because obviously the pipe you choose does say something about you. There's I just a little personality to it. Yeah. yeah. If there's a, is there a consistency there that you've noticed over the years? I don't see. I don't think that there's a consistency as, as far as style goes, because everybody, again, in their mind's eye, thinks something is going to look better than something else. <laughs> there, you've got always got the guy that is gonna is gonna love the hung, Hungarian that just hangs down and and looks very. Uh, distinguished but then there's always the guy that wants a straight pipe that thinks that that's the better look yeah so you know those things those things are are kept in your own head so james told us of the styles of tobacco his sort of sweet spot is virginia what about you i i smoke a lot of virginia's uh the type of virginia tobacco um just the way that that tobacco grows is a little bit sweeter uh, than, than, say, a, a Burley or a Cavendish, um, just by the by the nature of mm-hmm. it. Um, so, I stick a lot of with a lot of Virginias. But as far as I'm concerned, if you if you want it, stick it in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> To quote the old saying, there, right? there is that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Ian, how many pipes would you say you have total? So um, now right. I've kind of cut back to oh. around ten that I smoke very frequently. I've had forty-three. I think was. Uh, <laughs> well, that's a lot. Well, it is, but um, we have another gentleman and a couple of other gentlemen that have worked here that. <clears throat> have pipes in the hundreds so yeah how about um, you ian how many at your house um so at my house uh, smokable pipes not being some that my dad has worn out and i just have them in a cabinet you know to look at and things like that smokable pipes of probably 22 ish that's still a lot um but the my go-to pipes are probably seven or eight different pipes so that, that yeah. kind of rotate and you know like he said depends on what i want to look like when i'm smoking <laughs> It's well, 100% one, true. This one is working for you, I think. This, this one's is, great. This is very, uh, I don't know, this 
This makes you look very creative. Uh, it's Bacchus, but I think it still adds a certain uh, gravitas to my yeah, well, overall demeanor. And then there is, you know, what the whole Bacchus vibe is about. So yeah. there you go. Um, I think that what is um, interesting about pipe smoke versus cigars is that with pipe smoke, you're more apt to get positive reactions <laughs> from non-smokers in the room than you are with cigars. Not saying this it doesn't true. happen with cigars, but with pipes, it seems to happen more frequently. Why is that? What is it about the pipe room note that's more uh, that's more acceptable to people who don't smoke? So I would say that uh, that the memory, the olfactory memory, is a very strong is a very strong memory, especially at an early age. So, so you think it maybe recalls. Uncles or dads or grandpas, absolutely. People in the family who smoked absolutely, a absolutely. Over the years, I've had more people than I than I could even name that just open the door, stick their head in, and take a big whiff of the shop and say, "That reminds me of my grandfather. I that bet, reminds yeah. me of my mm-hmm. uncle. That mm-hmm. reminds me of of whoever." And uh, so, I mean. Those memories are lasting even way into uh, way into adulthood. It's a, it's a comforting thing, I think, for a lot of people if they have that memory, like you said, of grandpa or dad, or or uh, maybe somebody who isn't around anymore, and it's a it's like a oh, like, you know, like I get, seeing an old picture. You know? I get that a lot. If I'm smoking a pipe out in public, I'll almost I, I mean almost without fail, I'll have somebody come up to me at some point in time and go. That smells like and reminds me of that my dad, you my know, uncle, but yeah, that yeah. that thing and uh, and then, and sometimes I've had people that linger and they're like, oh, I'm just gonna stand over here because it smells so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you get that occasionally with cigars, but not nearly as often. Well, here's the downside. Uh, one of the very few downsides I can even think of to a cigar, even a great cigar smells like a cigar, and it's not as sweet and it doesn't have quite the perfumey room note that even. Um, even English tobaccos have, because an English tobacco at least smells like an old bookstore a lot of times, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I say an old meat pit or a dying yeah. campfire. Yeah, dying campfire slash bookstore slash, you know. In my library are many leather-bound books. <laughs> and the smell of, what was it, rich mahogany. Rich mahogany. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, this is now our first beer for... Uh, for Imperial, Imperial February. February. Yes, that's right. This is from our friends at Ingenious. It is a 14% ABV Imperial Stout called Turtle Power. And they're really into the Mutant Ninja Turtle thing because they've got <laughs> a number of beers in their line. Now, I think they're all limited releases, but they've got a number of beers in their line that uh, that are uh, Ninja Turtle-themed uh, right. and oriented. So uh, there must be, must be some big uh, turtle fans out there. So... Uh, Ian, I noticed as you poured it, it literally looked like you were pouring from a can of motor oil <laughs> into the cup. I mean, this thing, it makes me happy. This thing is thick. This rim of it around the oh yeah, around the uh, glass is, is you dark can see and even even before you get you get any of the uh, the foam on the top of it. It just looks like I, I prefer my you, beer with a slight amount of impenetrable darkness. I think it's, <laughs> well, you've definitely got some here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good metric to start Impenetrable with. Impenetrable darkness, the <laughs> Ian Barry story. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Uh, well, on and the nose, wow. I'm getting coconut. Okay, wow. Oh, you've already tasted. Yeah. 
We can, I, I call it research. We can yes, always get, get into the research quickly. Uh, mm. This beer wow. and the pipe tobacco atmosphere together mm-hmm. are such a beautiful thing together. It's working for you. Um, there's a coconut, especially uh, yeah. on the... Uh, Especially on the retrohale, it almost just dominates the aftertaste, but in a beautiful way with some vanilla. Vanilla, cacao nibs. Um, mm-hmm. Chocolate up front. Just a little bit of coffee, but it's not very coffee forward. You know, so many stouts, especially Russian Imperial stouts, are really coffee or espresso so, so forward. So strangely enough, it's not real coffee forward, but it, all, but it does have that coffee bitterness, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of a coffee bitterness to it that I really enjoy. It says on here, it says there's power and then there's turtle power. After a hard day's soldiering on your feet, there's uh, nothing like kicking back with a little dessert. Leo would be proud. Wow. So, um, yeah, definitely the Ninja Turtle theme and definitely a... Uh, Russian Imperial uh, Style Brew with chocolate pecans and salted caramel. I wasn't getting the pecans, but I'm also smoking an aromatic... Uh, you know, I can, I can pull a little pecan out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Almost like the, mm. you know, that taste of the pecan, like right next to the I wonder if that's where I'm getting that bitter... Well, I wonder if that's where I'm getting some of that bitter aftertaste from. That's uh, right because like that. it's like that. You know, you ever eat like a shelled pecan and it's still got a little mm-hmm. piece of that inner shell in it, and it gives you that bitter. Mm. That's, I'm picking up a little bit of that. Picking up a little bit of that. For what sure. style of beer is your uh, go-to if you're if you're beer drinking? I'm a stout guy. Well, you are. Yes. Well, how are you feeling about this one? I love it. I love it. It's big. I, th- I I get a lot of sweetness on the back end of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. like a like a dessert. Okay. Well, and I'm getting a little bit of bitter, so I think maybe the tobacco is having something to do with that. Well, I will I will just say this: it uh, it not only is delicious, but I get the feeling that if I had a low oil light on my car and I didn't have any handy, I could probably <laughs> it's it's this pretty and do it's pretty fine. big uh, mouth feel to it as well. I mean, yes. it like once once it's in your mouth, like it's not going away for a little while. Well, that's uh, that's really good. Wow. It tends to it tends to spread around a little bit, although it doesn't cling to the glass too, yeah, uh, too crazy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't leave a big uh, a big ring around the glass. But um, I will say, at fourteen percent, it's surprisingly not as boozy as I was expecting. It's you know because when it says fourteen percent on the can, you mm-hmm. know that before you take the first sip. I mean, I was we've had stouts and barley wines on the show before that were in this neighborhood and boy are they boozy you really know it this one is just it's lots of flavor and it's and it is a little bit boozy but it's not not as much as i was expecting yeah Yeah. this is good oh yeah good oh yeah we have to hand some over to james there (laughs) absolutely glad we saved some 14 percent, so it doesn't take much (laughs) this is really good well I tell you what, we have had just an absolute blast. I love doing the pipe show. I, I feel like I learned so much about the show because I'm not as knowledgeable about pipes as my partner here. But um, it, it's it's such a blast to come and talk to people who really know them and understand them. And one of the things I like about your shop is you'll do that with any customer that wants to come in and ask questions and 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 learn learn about pipes as well. So it's not you know it's not just for the show. I mean, these guys are in here every day talking to people, sharing what works for them sharing what they think might work for you if you're just getting started or you already have some favorites. How many different uh, pipe tobaccos do you have just in general? So I tried to count at one point in time, and, and we may be down a little bit, but uh, when I did that count, it was about 110 
different tin tobaccos. That's amazing. And 110 bulk tobaccos. I know that bulk tobacco has been a little bit harder to source mm -hmm. um, as of late, but uh, it's that's what that's what we have. And that's still a hell of a selection. I mean, right. seriously. Right. Seriously. I mean, if you go into a lot of shops that stock some pipes and some accessories, you might find 20, 25 different styles of tobacco or different, you know, different variations. But to say 100, 110, I mean, that's amazing. That's, that's actually crazy, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, do you, what is your absolute bestseller? So the bestseller is probably the accountant. That that's good. Ian's favorite. He, you love the accountant, and you've given me some of that. It's quite good. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, uh, but I would say that uh, two, two blends have sat next to one another, the accountant and, and Black Russian, for 50 years. Oh, wow. And I've sold more Black Russian than every other pipe tobacco combined. Wow. That's amazing. Over the years. But I think the newer generation is, is drawn to the accountant for some reason, and I'm okay with that. Hey, Ian, that makes you part of the new generation. How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm almost beyond hipster now <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going to take a break we'll be back to wrap up the show uh located in houston's historic rice village this is the briar shop that's where we are on location and this is smoking and toasting show number 314 we'll be right back well, welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and today especially also about uh, pipes because we've had super fun uh, time here at the Briar Shop, uh, the oldest tobacconist in the state of Texas. That's so amazing. So that makes it, by the way, for those of you who are visiting our fair city of Houston here where we emanate the show from, that makes this a... Uh, a tourist spot for you. Mm -hmm. This needs to be on your to-do list when you come to Houston because there's no other no other shop quite like this. We have, you know, we're we have great relationships with a number of the tobacco shops around this town, but uh, none of them are quite like the Briar Shop, especially if you're interested in uh, in pipes. So uh, this is this has been uh, so much fun, Bill. Thank you for uh, hanging with us today, for uh, sharing some of your guys' time with us, and for uh, setting us straight. I'm still not. As good as I need to be. Like, I'm still struggling to keep this lit, but I am doing better. So I'll, I'll be practicing and learning about uh, uh, about how to do it. Like anything else, I suppose, there's a bit of bit of art to it. The more you do it, the more you'll the more comfortable you'll become uh, doing it until one day I'll be like Ian and I'll have 20 pipes and be able to <laughs> do the, the pointing thing with the long stem. Uh, this one's not bad. I've relit it once. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's good. That's oh, no, twice because I set it down twice. Sorry. And, and what uh, tobacco are you smoking in that year? That's accountant. That's accountant. Okay. So accountant keeps coming up. As you said, that's your best seller. It and, is. And uh, I'm not surprised because it you is. You have the rum one. You have the. Very good. Yes. Although this bowl, I actually uh, used some of what uh, James left in this oh, gotcha. ashtray. The, uh, so this one Virginia. is the Give Me Liberty uh, Seattle Pipe Club. And it's quite good. It's quite good. I like it. It's very. Uh, uh, very uh, aromatic, very you know, kind of tingly on the tongue, aromatic, which mm. I really, really do like. So, um, so we uh, we haven't talked too much about this, but we are excited to announce that uh, we have <clears throat> signed a deal with USA Audio and Radio Networks for Smoking and Toasting to become a uh, syndicated uh, program available to broadcast radio and from what we understand we're going to be slotted into their 
Uh, we don't know. We don't have a start date for this yet, but it should be coming up in the next month or so. Will be slotted into their programming between the hours of two and four on Saturday afternoon. So stations that carry their programming around the country will be carrying smoking and toasting, and maybe exposing us to some new people who don't spend as much time with podcasts or or whatever mm-hmm. that may be. So we're excited about this. It's uh, underway, and it will mean a few. It won't mean any changes to the content of the show, other than Ian can't have. Chris Hart on and let him keep dropping F-bombs all the time. There's uh, that. But, but other than that, uh, there won't be any real changes to the content of the show, but there may be some uh, changes as to what day the show is available. Right. Uh, so we'll keep you guys uh, up to speed on all that as it develops. But we're really excited after 314 episodes. It's, it's really quite, a, quite an honor that they've asked us to join their, uh, their radio network, so it's a pretty cool thing. I'm pretty excited yeah, about that. I'm pretty excited about it indeed. Uh, we have some cool things coming up on the show. Next week on this very program, uh, Sean Hanrahan will join us. He's with Platypus Brewing. Yeah, And uh, they have some great beers. And a lot has changed at Platypus since the last time. We have, there's been a couple we, of years since yeah, we've seen them. Since yeah. The, yeah, a lot has changed, including ownership and management and brewmasters and and. All kinds of things have changed, and it's a really cool and, and fun place. We had my birthday party was there yeah, yeah. a few years back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then coming up uh, the following week, Abby Heim will join us. Abby is involved with something called Pink Boots. Uh, it is about uh, women in the craft beer industry, and she's also involved with Great Heights Brewing in uh, uh, the Heights here in awesome. Houston, and they have incredible beers. I was yes. drinking some of their Blue Tile IPA just yesterday nice. and it was absolutely delicious. So in any case, uh, we have some great things coming up on the show and uh, we are very excited to have been able to do today's show uh, from the Briar Shop and I will most definitely be hitting the humidor on my way out. So yes. uh, thanks again, uh, Bill and to uh, James for being on. Uh, come check out the Briar Shop if you're in the greater Houston area and thank you for checking out our show. We'll be back with you again next Thursday. Show posts at 1 p.m. and uh, we can't wait to talk to you then until we uh, until we have a chance to smoke and drink together. Cheers. Cheers, Joe.